The ETF Edge podcast is sponsored by Invesco QQQ, supporting the innovators changing the world. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to ETF Edge, the podcast. If you're looking to learn the latest insights on all things exchange-traded funds, you're in the right place. Every week, we're bringing you compelling interviews, thoughtful market analysis, and breaking down what it all means for investors. I'm Leslie Picker, filling in for Bob Bassani. Today on the show, we'll be keeping a close eye on the flows and tracking the trends to get a sense of how the cyclical trade plays out as the reopening story loses steam. How do investors set up ahead of the holiday season? Plus, we're tackling two of the ETF community's favorite themes, ESG and crypto, and why one guest actually thinks a pure play Bitcoin ETF could be just around the corner. Here's my conversation with Tom Leiden, CEO of ETF Trends, David Botset, head of equity product strategy at Schwab Asset Management, and Dave Abner, head of business development at Gemini. Tom, markets have shown plenty of optimism about this recovery story. It seems like this week is really an inflection point. Do you think that they've been too complacent that the pandemic was over, or is this sector rotation really overdone from here? Well, it may be a little bit overdone. Healthy pessimism is great for the markets, as you know, Leslie. And we've seen uh, markets at all-time highs. We're seeing uh, greater earnings than expected, which has been really good for the market. And it's been more of a story that we saw coming out of the financial crisis for the 10 years following. It was those FANG stocks, along with Microsoft and Tesla, that really have those heavy cap weightings that push those market indexes higher. Um, I think last year we saw an equal weight S&P 500 do better than the uh, cap-weighted S&P 500, but it's back to the old story before as we continue to see these FANG and Microsoft and, and, and Tesla stocks continue to do well. The ones that have suffered are those go-go uh, work-from-home stocks that did so well last year. Coming off of the February high, they had some big corrections. Yeah, um, that is absolutely true. I think Zoom is actually set to report earnings as well. Uh, David, what are the flows telling us so far about how investors are setting themselves up for the end of the year? Well, I will tell you, Leslie, flows this year in ETFs have been just off the charts. It's another record-breaking year in 2021 after we've seen uh, record-breaking years in years past. I mean, all accounts, we will be over a trillion dollars in total ETF flows in 2021, which is just a remarkable number to think about. There are a couple of aspects we see there. One, we, we, we've talked about the growth in ESG investments, and we're seeing that category take off, off with flows over 50% greater in 2022 than we saw last year. We're also seeing investors looking for income. You know, Tom mentioned the FANG stocks, but at the same time, you've got a huge number of individuals that need income that are transitioning to retirement and in a low interest rate environment, it's challenging to find that income. So you're looking at, at income-oriented strategies and we've seen uh, dividend strategies absorb over $30 billion in flows in 2021. And finally, low cost. I, I think about low cost as really being the trend that never goes out of style. 60% uh, of the flows in 2021 so far have gone to ETFs with expense ratios of 10 basis points or less. So it's great huh. to see um, investors continue to demand low cost. So you're saying that nobody wants to pay more to invest in ETFs then? 
<laughs> Makes sense. That, that, Who wants to pay more? For, we're paying enough already, given the inflation picture out there. No need to pay more for, for ETFs. But you bring up a good point with regard to, e, uh, to ESG, and I, I want to talk about that undeniably hot trend that's really taken the ETF world by storm. That's environmental, social, and governance. That trend is still going strong. It's really remarkable and flows into sustainable ETFs are up roughly 50% from where they were this time a year ago as more and more companies attempt to weave ESG into the fabric of their DNA. Just last week, Charles Schwab joined forces with Aerial Investments to launch Schwab's first ever ESG ETF and first ever active fund, the Schwab Aerial ESG ETF, ticker symbol SAEF. David, tell us a little bit more about what sets this fund apart from similar products that are out there. And what, is, what does it mean exactly to take an active approach to ESG metrics through an ETF? Yeah, I think there's a couple things that set this ETF apart. First is our partnership with Aerial Investments, uh, one of the oldest and largest minority-owned investment shops in the world. Uh, they, they have nearly $20 billion in assets, and Charles Schwab has been working with Aerial for uh, around 20 years, uh, really dating back um, uh, in the early 1990s to doing a, a survey on investor attitudes, especially black investors, which has been very telling um, to understand uh, the, the dichotomy of investors in the universe. So we take that partnership in the formation of the Aerial ETF, uh, the Schwab Aerial ESG ETF. And Aerial really brings a unique investment style where they look at a value-oriented approach in the ESG space and looking at small and mid-cap names. And, and small and mid-cap ESG strategies um, are really hard to come by. So we think it really serves a really strong point in investors' portfolios combined with many of the more traditional large-cap growth-oriented ESG strategies that are in the marketplace today. Value might be hard to come by, too, some would argue, given just the amount of flows that have gone into ESG and, and what that's meant for the multiples of companies that are seen as ESG-compliant. Tom, what are, what are your thoughts here? Is there room for new ESG offerings, given all of the, the trends surrounding this area? Or are we starting to get oversaturated here? Well, it, it's surely a popular area, Leslie, and there has been some discussions about um, maybe standardizing ESG as far as the research. However, the, the, how, uh, the horse has already left the barn, let's just say, because there's so many choices and all the management companies and index providers look at this in so many different ways, which is good for the average investor. You look at the unique approach that Ariel brings and the fact that they've been at this for decades where there are a lot of companies that can't say the same. However, it does require more research for the average investor and most importantly, the average advisor, because the average advisor's clients out there is expecting, not just requesting, but expecting some type of ESG overlay. And that might come in a lot of different shapes, sizes, and colors. And that's mm -hmm. gonna be really important going forward. Yeah, they're expecting that overlay without sacrificing returns, which of course right. is the tightrope the managers have to walk. Now, I just want to switch gears a little bit to talk about crypto. The SEC has approved three Bitcoin futures ETFs this year, but has thrown cold water on the notion of a pure play Bitcoin ETF, most recently rejecting VanEck's proposal for a spot Bitcoin ETF two weeks ago. Let's bring in Dave Abner into the conversation. He's still with us. Despite all the naysayers, the SEC's latest move, he believes that the crypto community will get what it wants, and that 
is a pure play Bitcoin ETF. He believes it's imminent. Dave, you head up business development in Gemini crypto exchange. Why are Bitcoin future ETFs the answer to SEC's crypto conundrum? Great question, Leslie. Thanks for having me on today. The, the SEC is moving very meticulously in the Bitcoin and the crypto ETF space. They, they've thought about this. They've worked very hard. They've obviously been paying attention and reading a tremendous amount of work that's been produced on the subject. Um, the futures funds are interesting. The futures strategies funds were a great step forward for the SEC, if you think about it, right? And why would they do that? So the CFTC oversees the Bitcoin futures. The SEC oversees 40 Act funds. So the approval of uh, a futures-based fund that fits within the 40 Act is a perfect next step for the SEC. Um, it's uh, What they're saying is this is no longer actually about market maturity. I think the SEC would like to have more oversight and clearer regulations over the entire crypto market. Uh, they're not there yet, but I think that's coming. And uh, so I think they've really sort of been paying attention to the market. They are taking steps because they acknowledge that, uh, you know, the future the future strategies funds, they, they show investors that crypto is an investable asset class. And so they are, the SEC is taking these progressive steps to move us forward. I really, uh, I thought we were going to be there by the end of this year. I actually thought the Van Eck uh, uh, physical fund would get approved. I'm still very bullish. I think the SEC knows exactly what they're doing, and I think we're on that way, on that path. Hey, Dave. David's Tom, just really quick, um, you know, with Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss being your founders and having the first application for an ETF way back in 2013, I'm sure you're encouraged to see the futures-based ETF, especially with the record amount of money that came in over a billion dollars just in a matter of days. What's it going to take? Because there's surely man uh, demand from individual investors and especially financial advisors. What's it going to take for us to get a physically backed ETF? Well, like I said, look, I think the SEC is just moving in a path, moving on a path. I think they are continuing to develop uh, the ecosystem as well. Uh, so you're right. Tyler and Cameron filed for the first Bitcoin ETF in, I think it was 2013. The market, Gemini didn't even exist at the time. So the market for regulated custodians was not developed. Uh, they've now since developed uh, robust custodians, the market for trading has really evolved. And, you know, like I was saying, I think the SEC allowing the futures ETFs is them signaling the markets. We think this is an investable asset class. We think the market has matured to a level that we, uh, with all of our investor protections, are comfortable with them achieving access. And I think they are just sort of waiting to take that next step. They're potentially looking for some greater uh, clearer regulatory guidelines around the industry. And maybe so maybe we see that in Q1 and then we see an ETF right after it. I think this is there's a little bit of uh, movement in that direction, I think. Tom, do you agree with that? Do you think that the SEC is moving toward a, a spot Bitcoin ETF approval process? Is there a risk that that they don't? Yeah, I, I wish I was as optimistic. Um, I think the <laughs> some of the some of the hunger has been satisfied with this uh, the future strategy for sure. But there is concern about the pure volume and availability of the 
of, of Bitcoin futures. But it, it's one of those things that it, we're not going back. Uh, cryptocurrency is here to stay. And individual investors and advisors have huge demand. We do a, a survey every year among the advisor community, and it just gets going more and more. And for the average advisor out there that is managing a diversified portfolio for their clients, not being able to buy uh, Bitcoin or, or spot Bitcoin ETF on a brokerage platform is somewhat uh, of a handcuffing nature there. So if if your clients go rogue and they go off and uh, open up a Coinbase account, they potentially could shoot themselves in the foot as far as the volatility and that type of thing. So I think this is something the advisor community is 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 uh, pushing for. Uh, I think we'll eventually see it. I wish it was going to be Q1, but I would say fingers crossed by the end of 22. Just out of curiosity to follow up on that, Tom, what does that mean from a short selling standpoint as well? Obviously, institutional investors tend to use ETFs as a way to hedge or to show, you know, a directional bearishness toward a sector uh, or theme. Do you think that an approval of a Bitcoin spot ETF uh, would further allow institutional investors to short the price of Bitcoin? Well, it's just a, another form of liquidity. And uh, shorting the market is a great opportunity to provide greater liquidity. And th the market as a whole has held up very, very well. Uh, we haven't seen any chinks in the armor on the future side. And would it um, help to add to liquidity if we saw some spot ETFs? I think so. Um, and, you know, although we've had a little bit of a pullback recently, there are a lot of people feeling that come 22, we might see. Bitcoin up to $100,000. Uh, if that were to happen, you can imagine the the glowing demand. I'm, I tell you, I'm a baby boomer. I'm a baby, baby boomer. But all my friends I talk to now just finally are asking me about cryptocurrency. And I'm just scratching my head because it, it's not as though they're late. They're going to continue to maybe dip their toe in the water, but they like to do it on their brokerage account as opposed to going to, to a Coinbase account or something like that. Sorry, Leslie. I don't know about exactly the way you uh, the way you phrase it, Tom, but I, I would go back to that piece with uh, investors being able to short the market as well. Look, I think it's really important to remember what ETFs have done uh, over the last uh, 20 years. Right. They are a centralized liquidity place for all types of investors. So they bring together long term holders, traders hedge fund managers that need to short the market for their strategies, potentially. Um, they add liquidity in general. So whether it's um, a Bitcoin futures ETF or a Bitcoin physical ETF, both of them will continue to help the ecosystem grow. And, you know, with the strategy, the Bitcoin futures strategy ETFs, some advisors will be able to use those funds and that will bring them into the market. It will help them answer client demand. So all of these things are good. And even on the short side, Leslie, these these pro generally ETFs enable two-way markets. They increase liquidity and they help investors. So it, it's all a good thing in that sense. Yeah. That's and Leslie, if right. I can if I can add one more thing, the great <laughs> thing is you, you have companies like Gemini, but there's so many other very high-profile companies that are pushing for for the same thing. They want a spot. Bitcoin ETF. And the cool thing is they're working together. They're sharing information. The, they're working closely with the SEC, meeting regularly. And, and 
it's very, very healthy because we've got this ecosystem that's building where although there's healthy competition, they're all kind of doing it together and, and it's quite admirable. Yeah, it's not seen as a, a zero sum, especially not in the ETF world. Uh, at least that's, that's my take. Uh, thank you guys so much. Great conversation. That's it for today. I'm Leslie Picker. Thank you for listening. Make sure you tune in next week. And in the meantime, you can tweet us your questions or topic ideas at ETF Edge CNBC. Invesco QQQ believes new innovations create new opportunities. Here's to greater possibilities together. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc.